So welcome to the Palm Beach North podcast produced by the Palm Beach North Chamber of Commerce. My name is Noel Martinez and I am so excited to have our guest, Mike Bauer, the general manager for Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium with us here today. Mike, welcome to the show. It's so good to be here. This set is amazing. I can't wait to get this going. Well, I'm excited about it, Mike. You know what? You and I have been friends for a long time. And I, I met you 14, maybe 15 years ago when you first moved here. That's about right. I can't believe it. Think about how much has happened in those last 14, 15 years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, man. We've both we've both gone through a lot, right? Both at home, at work, life changes, um, kids, divorces. I mean, it's been quite a bit of it. I know. I know. I'm so excited. I was really looking forward to interviewing you. So let's get into you. Is that okay? Let's start yeah, asking let's some it. questions. All right. So- Talk to me about you. You know, where'd you grow up? What were you like as a kid? So we moved to uh, the West Palm area when I was five years old. My family's originally from Akron, Ohio. My dad at the time was uh, head of the union for Firestone, uh, the tire manufacturer, and uh, they did massive layoffs in the early 80s. So my folks, without a job, packed up all their stuff and moved to Palm Beach County uh, Lake Worth, Florida, to be exact. And, and that's where we I went to first grade and, and second grade. And then when I was in third grade, we moved to Port St. Lucie. And that's really where I grew up. I claim Port St. Lucie is home. I went through elementary school, middle school, high school at Port St. Lucie High. I think we were the second graduating class at Port St. Lucie High. And, and um, I grew up as a South Florida kid. As you know, I love the Dolphins, the Marlins, the Heat, yeah, uh, I know. all the Florida sports teams. We've been to all the games together. Yep. Um, grew up down here. And as a kid, you know, I, was, I wasn't the most popular kid. I was kind of in the nerdy clique, right? Like I, I was a gifted student and, um, you know, but I wasn't the smartest kid in the gifted classes. I was probably at the bottom of the rum <laughs> amongst all those kids, but uh, I was just a happy kid, right? Like I, I, you know, I grew up in a happy home and had a lot of friends and was always active. And, you know, I loved to play baseball as a kid, obviously. And I, I played a little football. Um, and then as I got into high school, I, I, I kind of gravitated towards basketball because it was really good for exercise running back, back and forth down the court, but just a happy kid, right? Like I, I you know, I don't know. I, I just enjoy life. Like I'm always looking for the next fun thing. Yeah. So I, I've gone to meet your parents, right? Your parents are pretty amazing. Tell me a little bit about them. What were they like? Um, you know, from, from, uh, from a parenting standpoint, they were always coaching, you know, and I, I find myself doing a lot of the things my parents did. Like for whatever reason, we were always coached up in the car when we were on our way to go somewhere, right? Whether we we're on our way to church and how we we're going to sit, how we we're going to stand, how we we're going to act, or if we were going to meet somebody that was important to them, you know, look them in the eyes, shake their hands, say hello. Like, and now I, I understand why, because when you're in the car, they're pinned down, you know, they're behind me, they can't move, right? Like, so I can talk to them, we can, we can get them ready, we can parent them in a nice way. Um, but they were loving. They are loving. They're, they're still alive. They're, they're, they're in their seventies now and they live up in, in Jensen beach. And, um, we get to see them somewhat regularly. It was nice, you know, back in, you know, 14 years ago, whatever it was, when we moved back to Palm beach County. Uh, I was in North Carolina for a bit, but, um, having both my folks and my wife, Stacy's folks nearby was really nice when the, when the boys were growing up. 
So you, you mentioned Stacy there, right? Because Stacy's the best, right? Let, let's talk a little bit about Stacy. Tell us, I love the story of how you met Stacy. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So uh, my roommate at the time, his name was Mark Smith. He had just starting, uh, just started dating his girlfriend at the time. Her name was Mary, and they they're married. You know, to this day, still they have three kids. They're they're doing fantastic. Um, and he said, Hey man, you know, my, my new girlfriend, Mary's coming over tonight. And, uh, we found out that her single, you know, friend lives like one building over in our apartment complex. And I had just gotten home from work, just showered, like nothing in my hair, you know, like I was in gym shorts and probably a ripped up gator t-shirt. Here comes nerdy Mike and, to the door. And, and you know, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, exhausted. Right. And, and he says that in, you know, so Mary comes over first and she's like, Oh, you're gonna love her. She's great. You know? And I'm like, you know, when you get set up, you know, what, it, what's going through your mind, right? You're like thinking, well, all right, cool. You know, but, uh, wasn't really thinking of anything. And then she walked through the door and I was like, oh, all right, cool. I was like, you know, she's hot, right? Like, uh, but when I got to talking with her, I, I got to realize that she was a really nice person too. And so we're in my living room, right? So Mark and Mary, they're, two weeks into their relationship, they're sitting in the couch and Stacy and I are in chairs on either end. And we're watching this bad, um, uh, Adam Sandler movie, little Nikki. And I love it because Dan Marino begs for a Super Bowl <laughs> ring in that movie, but, um, they're making out like the whole time we're talking <laughs> over them. It's so awkward, right? Because like, <laughs> We don't even know each other. We're like, you know, this girl just walked into my my living room and, and we're talking over this couple who's making out. So um, fast forward, we we I got her phone number that night. We go out on another double date. We went to Frenchie's Rockaway Grill in Clearwater Beach. It is great spot. Seafood, you know, the ocean's right there. And, you know, the beaches in Clearwater are beautiful, right? They're, they're whiter than they are here, white powdery sand. And we hung out all day, had some cocktails and, and you know, just kept dating after that. And um, I'll share one more thing. So when we, when I first met Stacy, we were, we were living in St. Petersburg and I was working for uh, what is now Amelie Arena over the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, um, I used to woo her by bringing her to concerts because when I worked at Amelie, we had every show under the sun for that five years that I was there from, I think my last three shows that I always say were U2, Rolling Stones, uh, was U2, Rolling Stones, oh, and Paul, Paul McCartney. Those are the three that I went out with. And um, I used to bring her to shows. And I remember there was a time that I brought her to Aerosmith. And so, I, you know, I ran the staff at the arena, so I would bring... Um, her all the way up to the front, right, right in the front row, you know, and uh, Aerosmith is, you know, hanging out with his, you know, his mic like this. And uh, he's, he's known for the sash that he's got around the mic stand. Stacy was yanking on the mic stand. <laughs> that is Stacy so, Bauer. And boy. so she would bring all of her friends to the shows and, and it went pretty good for about 10 or 11 shows. And then I got a call into my boss's office. Her name was Mary Mellon. To this day, she's my mentor and, and taught me so much. Um, she said, so uh, I saw Stacy up in the front row the other day. She goes, uh, I checked with Jim Menino, and Jim was our ticket office manager back in those days. And he can't see Bauer on any of those tickets. I said, yeah. She goes, don't let it happen again. And so she cut my knees off and I couldn't sneak her up to the front anymore. But um, I still got her into a lot of shows, just not in the front row. But uh, I kind of wooed her with concerts. Well, it obviously worked, right? Because you guys have been married now how many years? It'll be 20 years in August. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. 
And then you guys have two amazing boys. They actually call me Uncle Noel, which is pretty awesome. So let's talk about the boys. Tell me a little bit about both of them. Tell me about Luke and Chase. Yeah, so I have two kids. Uh, Luke is 15. He goes to Jupiter High. He's a freshman. He's doing outstanding in school. I mean, straight A's through his first uh, three quarters of the first year. And I, I told him at the beginning of the year, I was like, listen, bro, if you get straight A's, I'll buy you whatever gaming computer you want. And it's I guess the Bauer family are big gamers. I mean, all three of them love playing video games. We would by a whole way. separate podcast <laughs> on that. So um, he... He's, he's got one more quarter and he's already got the computer picked out. And I kind of said it, you know, off the cuff, you know, like, and, but he remembered it. And so I'm going to have to buy him a computer if he gets one more set of, of A's, but he's doing great. He played freshman football last year. In fact, I think uh, he got an email today saying that his, his summer workouts are starting back up for football. And he, you know, uh, wants to do that again. And, you know, and, and I don't know what else he's going to do. Like I try to nudge him towards like debate club and some other stuff that's going to help him. you know, as we know stuff like this, you know, and, and um, but he's doing outstanding, uh, just a good all around kid, outgoing, friendly, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll cut it up with you. Oh, man. He yeah, knows he, his sports too, boy. I get yeah. texts all day long from him about the dolphins, who they're picking up, who he, we should be picking up. I mean, that kid knows his sports too. He's a diehard Miami Dolphin fan. He is, you know, as I am and as my dad is too. I mean, you know, we've been to games together oh, yeah. and he, we just love it. But, and then Chase, you know, he's my, he's, he's 12 years old. He's your local celebrity. Like this kid's like a rock star, man. Right. Yeah. You know, he's kind of becoming that, but you know, he's, <laughs> um, he's kind of a chill kid. You know, he's my boy that when he was, I think it was his six year old birthday party, um, yeah, he's probably six. He's a little more introverted, at least when he was younger than he is now. Um, he just kind of like in the middle of the party, left the party and went up to his room and closed his door and played by himself. You know, we're like, where'd Chase go? All your buddies are here. So we had to go up and bring him down, right? But for that introverted kid that he was then, he is really blossoming now. I mean, he's uh, really grown into enjoying the theater and the arts and singing and you know, now I'm talking to him about guys like Hugh Jackman, you know, like he's, you know, you say five star, uh, five star player in sports. You know, he's the, he's the three-star guy in, in theater. Now he can sing, he can dance, he can act. And we're focusing on those things. And well, let's talk about the big, I mean, he was just in a huge show at the Maltz theater in Jupiter. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So he auditioned almost a year ago for, um, Oliver. Uh, yeah, you know, if you don't know the show, Oliver, there's a bunch of kids in the show. They have the orphans that saying food, glorious food that a lot of novice folks might know. Uh, and he auditioned and we thought, Hey man, if we could just get a bit part, just get in a professional show, that would be outstanding. Right. And, um, so he did the audition and they, they had him come back and they asked him to do it again as artful Dodger and artful Dodgers after Oliver is the number two kid part. And, he auditioned and, you know, just time went by. We didn't know what was happening. None of the kids were getting any information. And then I ran into Andrew Cato, who, who's the executive producer, I think is his title at the Maltz Jupiter Theater. Mm -hmm. And it was at a chamber breakfast, actually. He pulled me aside and goes, hey, man, I just want to let you know, we were really close when he auditioned to Offering Chase that part. He goes, he's in the mix. And I'm, you know, in, under, underneath, I'm like, What? Really? <laughs> and uh, another couple of weeks go by and then he says, 
hey, I'm going to offer Chase the part. Do you think he'd want to do this? And I was like, absolutely. He would be thrilled. And so, so he got to go through the audition process, the rehearsal process, what tech week was like. Um, he got to, you know, learn what it's like to work, right? Because th this is a paid gig for a 12 year old boy, which is a well-paid gig, which is amazing. <laughs> right. So he went, he got up at six 30 every morning, went to school. Uh, he goes to Bach performing arts school and, you know, middle school. And, um, uh, had to race to the malts every night. And some nights he was there till 10, you know, o'clock at night. That's a full day for us as adults, but he got to go through the whole process. He, uh, he excelled, you know, and, and I've got, um, you know, people that are in the business now telling me, dad, your boy's got the it factor. Like he, he, if he wants to do this, if he chooses to do this, then he could have some success. And, uh, so we just got to figure out now what's the path for him, right? You know, because he watched um, the little boy, Benjamin Pajak, who was um, Oliver, go through, you know, what his life was like. His mom quit her job. She is now, um, you know, his, we call them momagers, jokingly, right? Managing him. And, and he's now, he, he did um, you know, a show on Broadway, The Music Man with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. And now he's, he did Oliver with Chase and he's doing Oliver again at New York City Center. And he's on to the next thing and the next thing. And, and you know, does Chase want that yet? Or do we get him through Bach? Does he audition for Dreyfus? Does he go to college? So we got to figure out his path, but he's a great kid, loves sports too. You know, yeah, he does. As, as an artsy kid, he loves sports. It's kind of in the Bauer blood, right? I think you have to be with what I do and what my my dad and what their, their, their other grandfather is a big sports guy too. So it's in their blood and we'll just see where he goes, but you know, he, um, just a cool kid, both of them, they, they, they have a lot of good friends and they're, they're fun to be around there. And more than anything, they're kind human beings, you know? I think that's the most important part. You and I talk about that all the time, right? That's all we want is our kids to grow up to be just good kids. And they both are amazing kids. You've done an amazing job with that. I'm really proud of you, bud. Well, thank you, but a lot of it is Stacy too. Right? Oh yeah, like I, you got you know, that right. I see them all day long, and I and I see the things that they do, and the, you know the the things that they say, and I'm like, wow, that's Stacy. Like <laughs> I see it right in you. But uh, well, let's let's start talking about work before you yeah, and I get all choked up yeah. talking about our kids, right? So you got a dream job, man. You got a job that you know most people look at as their dream job. You work in sports, right? You show up every day and you go to a baseball field. Yeah. Right. So how did you get into that? How did you get into the sports industry? So I went to the University mm. of Florida um, and, and I didn't know coming out of high school what I wanted to do. So I went in just for a business degree. I knew I had, you know, a sharp mind and a little bit of business sense. And, you know, my dad could coach me on some sales stuff. And um, I went to University of Florida and, and I went there because I wanted to be in a good sports environment. Right. Being a sports guy. I wanted to uh, be where they had a good football team and a good sports program, just be around it. And while I was at school, one of my buddies at the time, his name is Brian Collins. We've been, we've been friends since we were in eighth grade. Uh, we both ended up at the University of Florida. And he said, hey, Mike, I'm going to go get a job at the Stephen C. O'Connell Center. Uh, it's the Gators basketball arena, gymnastics, indoor track and field, some concerts. And he said, you know, we love to go to the games and stuff. Why don't we go get paid and do the games? So my first job, I got to tell you, my very first job out of the gate, they put me in the rowdy reptile section, which is the student section at the University <laughs> of Florida. And they wanted me to make sure that the students were seated because the people behind them were the 
million dollar boosters. So you got the student section, then the boosters, which probably isn't a good idea, but they wanted me to go up and down the rows to make sure that the kids were getting off the seats. So I'd go up, I'd go down a row and I'd get everybody off and I'd come down the next row and son of a gun, if those people weren't standing back up and I was getting flicked in the ear, you know, I had gum put in my hair one time, like, oh you know, I, a few choice words were thrown at me, but you know, I was just resilient, right? That was my first job. I was going to do it. And as long, I said, as long as they see me going back and forth and I'm doing my job, that's all they can, they, they, that can do. Right. So I did that. And, you know, as I was at UF, I worked my way up and, and, um, I was one of the full-time staff members as a student. Um, I stayed and did a master's degree after my bachelor's cause my bachelor's was in business, but I didn't know sports. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought to myself at the time that I needed a master's in sports. So I did that. And by the time I left there, I was, I was a full-time member of the team, ended up working there five years. Um, you know, my claim to fame though, was I was the parking lot guy for football games because I always wanted to be at the games. Right. So the evenings before we had to block off all the parking lots and in, in the school, because that's where the high level boosters paid and are paid to, to park. And so all the people in the yellow shirts, I would drive around all night. I mean, all night with Red Bull and whatever for these kids to keep them awake while they were doing their homework. And that allowed me to not have to work on game day so I could go to the games. Um, and, and I'll tell you, Gator football is, that is my jam. Like there's nothing better to me. I know we love the dolphins too, yep. but that atmosphere in the swamp is, is electric. And I, you know, SEC football in general is electric, but yep. I love going back. We go back every year. Um, and, uh, I bring the kids now and I mean, they're super fans too, which is, which is a lot of fun. And, you know, Luke, Luke told me that he wants to go to UF too. I was like, yes. <laughs> and, you know, he, I don't, it necessarily has, doesn't he have to go to, doesn't have to go to UF, but I want him to go to a good school, get a good education and, and be in that environment. Cause that yeah. college environment was, was fun. Awesome. Awesome. And then, so where did from there, how did you end up in Tampa, right? You ended up working at the Tampa Bay arena. Is that what it's called over there? Yeah. So I had to do a, an internship to graduate with my master. So I ended up at, uh, at, at the Tampa Bay Rays, Devil Rays at That's the right. time. Yep. So I did a, an internship for a season there. And while I was there, I met all of the staff and they all kind of worked all the venues there, right? Mm -hmm. They met, they worked at uh, the, the arena for the lightning. They worked at Ray J for the box. And of course, you know, uh, the Rays, and they said, you know, Mary Milne over at the Lightning is looking for a couple of positions, and and you'd be perfect. So, I actually applied, but before she even looked at my resume, she was calling me because everybody was referring me, and um, we got to talking. And originally, I interviewed for a security position, but she's like, you know, I got something, some something better for you. I think fits your profile a little better. And my first job was managing luxury suites at the arena. It was not what I wanted to do. It wasn't sexy. Um, it wasn't, you know, that high level general manager's job that I wanted, but it got me in the door and it got me noticed. And I worked harder than ever. I was the first one in the last one to leave. I told myself that I wanted my boss. I wanted to beat her there every day. So I did. And, uh, they promoted me three times in, in five years. And, and, and then, um, we had this, this acquisition that the, that we got the Asheville tourists. It was a minor league baseball team in Asheville, North Carolina. And, um, they needed somebody to go run it. And they said, Hey Mike, you know, before they were looking at me, they said, we want you to go up, 
spend a few days up there, just take a bunch of notes. What do we need to do over there if we're going to take this thing over? And I didn't know at the time, but they were grooming me. They, they wanted to see how I did when I went up there. So I went up there. I spent a lot of, a lot of time there, um, interviewed all the staff, talked to them just in a nice way, right? Asked a lot of questions and uh, learned everything I could. I came back and I typed up this dissertation about Asheville and, um, you know, a few a few months go by. They they do acquire the team, and next thing I know, Mary's you know crying because she's offered me this job to go to Asheville and run this team. But at the same time, she's losing her right arm. So it was it was really nice, um, you know. And Mary, you know, she was she was tough. She was a field hockey coach in college, and um, was a tough lady but used her coaching skills to manage. And I think I learned a lot of what I, how I work with my people today from her and that, in that style, you know, and there's, there's one thing, you know, working with different managers and um, what you can do to take away what you like from each one of them. And, but at the same time, you can say, I didn't like this either. I won't do that. And so, you know, I had Mary Milne, I had Sean Henry, who Sean is now the, the president of the Nashville Predators. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was phenomenal. You know, then I, then I get to, you know, here in, in Jupiter and I've got Claude DeLorem and, you know, and Brad Wood and now Dan Good and just, you know, good people that manage in a way that I like, you know, which is hold you to an expectation, tell you what I want, be realistic and go do it. And, and, and give your people the freedom to do what they can do, right? And you know as a manager what you're, if, if you're doing your job, right? You know what they're good at and what they're not so good at so that you can get involved when you need to. And, you know, I, I guess the whole story from how I got to, um, you know, to Tampa to here is through good people. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, in, in, in our, in our business today, you know, we're 45 full-time people, you know, and if you, if you look at it, if you dissect it a little bit, half or, you know, the more blue collar, you know, grounds, maintenance type guys, all hard work and love them to death. And then you got the other side, which is more business focused, right? Sales, marketing, that type of thing. And, um, you just, you got to know who they are. So you know how to manage them. And uh, yeah, it's all about people. And you know, one bad apple in that small group can really bring you down as a group. So we're going to talk about people and leadership and management styles here in a little bit, but let's talk about the stadium. Yeah. So you're at Roger Dean Chevrolet stadium. Um, for those of people that are outside of our area, how would you describe it? Like what, what, what is it? So we're, we're here because we're the spring training home of the, of the Miami Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals. But we do so much more than that. Oh, we, yeah. you know, we, you know, one spring, you know, spring training is amazing, right? It's 160,000 people over 30 games, 15 for each club during spring training. You know, their entire rosters are here. So you've got the big league team, triple A, double A, high A, low A, complex league ball. They're all here. So you got 250 players, all of their staff. It's their home away from home, but it's also the 365 day rehab center, right? So, you know, Adam Wainwright gets hurt for the St. Louis Cardinals. He may come down here to Jupiter for a couple of weeks to rehab, work out, have all the stuff that he needs, but in a quieter environment. Mm -hmm. And then when he's ready, we have two minor league clubs that are, that are right there that he can jump in and play some, you know, some, you know, some games that will get him back and ready. So 
after spring training is over, you have the Jupiter Hammerheads and the Palm Beach Cardinals, which are the class A level of that, that ladder that I just read off. And, um, you know, it's just fantastic because the difference between spring training and minor leagues is fun, right? We can let our hair down. We can do all the fun and zany skits and all the, you know, there's things that you read about, right? Like the hamburgers that are made with, you know, two Krispy Kreme donuts or, you know, the mascot races and all the fun zany stuff. Uh, the difference though, is that we go from, you know, 6,000 and 4,000 people a game to about 800 a game, except for our bigger days. Um, but it, it's all fun. Then the, kind of the, the third piece to our business, spring training, minor leagues is outside events. Yep. And we do a lot of baseball tournaments. You, you, you know, if you drive by Roger Dean during the day, you'll see all the tournaments going on in our backfields. These groups come in, regional and national baseball organizations. They rent the facility and they use all of our fields. You know, and if you don't know, you got a 7,000 seat stadium and then you've got 12 pro grade baseball diamonds behind there and they're all going at one time. Um, and then we'll do a lot of community events, right? We have the Jupiter Craft Brewers Festival. We do 5K runs. Fourth of, the 4th of July, the fireworks. 4th of July, Abacoa party, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I love about Roger Dean is Abacoa. You know, we're in this beautiful live, work, and play environment with, you know, shops across the street, an amphitheater where they put on all kinds of, you know, community events, you know, you know, car shows and the food truck invasion and whatever. There's always something going on in our area and it all kinds of, it all kind of feeds itself, right? So you got baseball concerts, you know, all that going on. And it's in this beautiful wicket, uh, you know, white picket fence, leave it to beaver-esque, you know, style environment that is just so nice. So what's a typical day look like for a general manager of a huge entertainment venue like that? You know, <clears throat> the questions we get all the time are, what are you doing in the off season? Or, um, oh, you guys don't have a game today. You got, do you, do you have the day off? Um, I would tell you that, you know, the time that we're the busiest is during games, right? There's a lot of activity. There's people in the park. There's a lot of great customer service happening. Um, you know, and, and everybody thinks about parking and tickets and merchandise and concessions and all that. But the prep work, is where it's all at, right? And you can relate to this with Artie Graw. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the prep work. It's getting your sponsors in place. It's getting your tickets sold. It's getting the, the park, you know, whatever upgrades that you're working on that year, getting those ready in time, getting the park cleaned. Um, you know, it's, it's going to chamber breakfasts and rotary club meetings and whatever else to tell our story for what's going on this upcoming year because it's hard work getting fans in the park. It's not easy. It's not like we just go on sale and people just flood in, right? It's, it's just like a good restaurant or drive shack or uh, lion country safari. We all have to do the same thing. And that's be stewards of the community, be, be out there, be visible, market correctly, and then target uh, different people in the community, different sectors of the community, right? So we might have somebody working on contacting all the churches and synagogues in the area. We might have somebody reaching out to banks. We might have somebody reaching out to restaurants, you know, and we want them all involved at the park in some way. It's a, it's probably a different way, but whether it's a group, whether it's a, a business function, whether it's just having a, a unique meeting at the park, we want people coming here and using it as your community 
gathering spot. So let's talk about community. And I want to come back later to the future of the stadium. Cause there's some exciting stuff there, but you mentioned yeah. community. You are involved in so many things, right? You are the current chairman of leadership Palm Beach County. Yep. You're the incoming chairman of the Palm Beach North chamber of commerce. I know you've served on the Jupiter police foundation, or you still serve on the Jupiter police foundation. And that's just three of the, like the gazillion things that you do. Why are you so engaged in the community? What is it? What is it about it that makes you want to serve? Well, in some cases it's, um, I've made friendships and, um, you know, they kind of happen organically, right? So the Jupiter police foundation, you know, as you can imagine working at the stadium, all the officers work at the stadium. Right. And, you know, we've, I've built relationships with those guys and, and, and women, and they came to me and said, Hey Mike, we're, we're going to start this foundation. We've never had one before. We don't even know like how to get it started, but we know we need some community involvement. Would you help us? And I, I didn't even think about it. I was like, absolutely. So I show up, um, day one at, you know, it's, um, it's, it, it's the captain that works with us. It's another guy, Dave Schultz, who's with Lytle, Ryder, Smith, Ivy, and Fronrath, and, and Great me. Guy. And me. Yeah. And literally, I, I leaned over the table, shook his hand. And, and now I'll tell you, Dave Schultz, I'll run through a, a brick wall for that guy. Fabulous guy. I'm glad we started it together. And we just started bringing community leaders that either worked or lived in Jupiter that we thought might be able to help us. So we bring together, uh, you know, an accountant, we get a, we get a, a banker, we get, you know, an, an attorney, you know, the people that we need, they're going to help us build this 501c3 organization. And we, and we just took off with it. And I'm proud now, I think we're in our fourth or fifth year now. And um, Dave was the first president. I was the second president. Uh, I'm, I, I'm now just a board member at large, but uh, we're, we do a lot of good you know, for, you know, our community. And, and you can see it in the equipment when we buy, the explorers that we help. And, and you can't help but go, wow, you know, I had a, a minor part in that. And it feels good. You know, selfishly now, from a business standpoint, it's another way for me to meet people, yep. right? So, so now those, those 30 or 40 board members that I've met, they were outstanding community leaders. I know them intimately. Right. And that helps me from a business standpoint, because if I need something from them, they're a phone call away. And it's not just an email. It's a cell phone call. And that's different. Right. Uh -huh. um, so but also the, I have a sense of community and, and duty. Right. Like I'm blessed. I have everything that I could ever want in life. There are a lot of people out there that don't. And to me. You know, we can get into politics of what government should and should not do with 501c3s. But I know I can do this personally. And if I can help in a little way, you got to do it, right? And, and I try to talk to my kids about that now. They're like, Dad, why do you do all this stuff with United Way? What's that all about? You know, what are you doing with this Palm Beach County Sports Commission? What's all that about? You know, why are you on this, you know, truest community foundation board? You know, uh, Palm Beach Gardens Medical Center board. What are you doing there? Like you they, do it all. We they, know, they're, Mike. They're, they're we know you're involved me, with everything. <laughs> but they're asking me about these things, right? And I want them to learn from it. Yeah. All right. So stadium, we t I, I touched on it a little bit. There are a lot of exciting things going on in the stadium. There's tons of things going on. Talk to me a little bit about the stadium and what can we expect in the future? So the old girl's 25 years old. We celebrated our 25th anniversary last year. And um, in, in the 
pro sports world, the, the building is just aging, right? And it, the best example I can use for you is we've got kids coming from Division One college baseball now that in my Gators in the SEC, for example, they got a brand new facility. It's a Taj Mahal. And they come to Jupiter after playing there and they think they're going to have the big league experience. They come to Jupiter and they're just kind of like underwhelmed, right? We got to bring up the, the player expectation level to where it meets now. But also we've got to do the same for the fans, right? Like they've been coming to this park for 25 years. It's time for some upgrades. And so the fans are going to see a handful of things. One, they're going to see a brand new kind of fun, fan engaging hangout spot in left field. The bleachers that are down out there now are going to be ripped out and we're going to continue the, the seating out to the, to the foul line. But at the top, there'll be a huge bar with shade structure and group, group space and a place for live music. And, you know, it's just another place where, you know, where you can go. And if you don't want to just sit in your seat, like fans today kind of like to walk around a little bit, like at least I do is you can go out there and hang, have a cocktail. And as soon as the game's over, you know, that last out is made, we can start the band and get cranking. And, you know, it's just a place where people can hang out for another hour after the game. Um, we're also going to, um, you know, move some of the, the bullpens off the fields, kind of the old way of doing things right now. It's just a player safety thing. We're going to do another group area down the right field line, but also build, um, a uh, umpire's locker room there with both male and female locker rooms. And, you know, when you look at where our discrepancies are with Roger Dean, a lot of it has to do with the female employees that are coming in and working for the teams. Now we, we have, it's shameful to say, but, you know, we've turned closets into female locking locker rooms so they can have space for themselves. And that's not fair, right? And more and more women are, are joining the game every year. And so we've got we to gotta do that. But um, another group space there, we're going to build a 3,000 square foot team store off the, the first base concourse, which is going to be huge. If you've ever been sh at the park and shopped, you know, it's really tight. You're in there like this. And uh, it's just not the best shopping experience. It'll allow us to bring better you know, items there, better experience. And then as far as the players are concerned, we're going to knock down all three clubhouses, Marlins, Cardinals, visitors, and redo those with, with state-of-the-art everything. And you think about, you know, what we're missing now, we don't have a kitchen. We can't control the nutritional things that are going into their bodies. We have a tractor trailer that parks, you know, outside the clubhouses now. Uh, we don't have meeting space. So our guys, when we meet as a team, we sit around in the locker room on stools and we're eating off our laps while we talk. And that's, you know, it, it, colleges don't do that. You know, so we're, we're trying to bring that up a little bit. Um, you know, hydrotherapy is important. So you've got resistance pools, things like that. Um, weight training and training rooms where they can get taped up and receive rehab are important. So we've got to improve those areas, but mostly it's just space, right? You know, in, in 1997, when this thing was being, you know, the construction started, that's the way it was done back then. Now there's more players, there's more staff, there's more everybody, and we just need more space. So the footprint is larger, if that makes sense. And then we're also doing things like, you know, indoor batting cages with, you know, all the technology that you would expect today, the, the cameras, so that, you can get the guys in there in the cage and you can kind of in slow-mo bring them through and then back it up and, you know, see the hitch and, you know, are your, are your hips turning correct correctly? And, you know, it's video coaching more than ever. So things like that. And um, I'm just really excited to get this started. We think it's going to be sometime in June now, or we actually bring the wrecking ball in. 
I'll probably reach out to the chamber to do some sort of wrecking ball fun ceremony. And, um, you know, there's already been an idea thrown out of, you know, if we do a wrecking ball, we should wrap it. So it's white with the threads, like a baseball. You're going to sell and, that. I really have fun. Right? <laughs> you're going like, to sell it is what um, you're going to choose sponsor opportunity. <laughs> well, we'll have to put the Dean family, Patty Dean on there. I would think, but, um, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to bring us up to, uh, you know, today's standards. And I think the fans are going to love it. Our players are going to love it. And it's, you know, it's going to be a really, um, uncomfortable couple of years as we navigate through it. Cause we're going to continue to play ball games around it. But when it's done and, and hopefully February of, of uh, 25, when we reopen for spring training that year, it'll be outstanding. So why is it so important that we get these renovations done? I mean, I know you talked about the stadium being a little bit older, but the stadium has a huge economic impact yeah. on our region. I mean, during spring training, every restaurant, in the Abacoa area, in the town gardens is packed with people and they're all wearing the red St. Louis, you know, Cardinal jerseys and the red St. Louis Cardinals hats. The stadium has a huge economic impact, not just during the spring training, but year round. Why are these renovations so important for us? And who pays for these renovations, by the way, we didn't really touch on that. Yeah. So, um, it is a huge tourism driver. Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium is there for tourism, right? Yep. And every year, the Palm Beach County Sports Commission does an economic impact study for not only us, but Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, which is the home of the Astros and Nationals right up the road. And um, it's $32.5 million of economic impact from people who come into our community, they stay at our hotels, they eat in our restaurants, and they recreate our fun places, go to the beach, go to the ball games. And What um, was that number again? 32.5 million. 32.5 million. Wow. So um, it is a Palm Beach County facility. So, you know, uh, not only do I have to report to the Marlins and the Cardinals, but also kind of my third boss is Palm Beach County because it's their facility. So we are responsible for not only being the tenant in there, but we have to manage it and operate it and pay for the normal operating items. The building, when it was constructed and this renovation, is going to be paid for with a with a, a portion of county dollars, which are tourism tax dollars. So when you go to uh, when you stay in a hotel in Palm Beach County, you'll know you'll have your normal seven percent sales tax, but then you have another six percent tourism tax, yep. and there's a portion of that six percent that is earmarked for uh, bricks and mortar buildings. So. We're one of them. Ballpark is one of them. The convention center is one of them. I think there's a few other things, but um, in the back of my mind, I always have that, you know, that's Palm Beach County money. So we got to make sure we take care of this facility. So it's a portion of, it's not quite a third, a third, a third, but let's just stick with that for now. Mm -hmm. A third um, Palm Beach County tourism tax money, yep. a third of state money, and then a third from the ball teams themselves. Um, it, the, the ball teams, you know, have to also cover all the overages and everything. So their piece is going to end up being a little larger than the other two, I think when it's all said and done. So the ball teams do have skin in the game with this, but it is a Palm beach County facility. And so great partnership with Palm beach County, uh, Ismi Ayala, who is the, the director of facilities is my direct contact. Mm -hmm. She is a gem sharp as attack, keeps me on my toes. Uh, but there's been so many others, right? You know, Maria Marino, our county commissioner, you know, has fought for us and, and 
and different venues to, to get this done. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, our County administrator, Virginia Baker has been a, a big supporter. There's so many I'm leaving out, but we're partners in every way. And, and, um, it's a, it's going to be a fantastic venue. It already is, but it's going to be fantastic when it's done. Yeah. I can't wait. It is going to look awesome. And if someone wants to see the drawings or get more information on that, where can they go find that information? So we haven't really put it out in mass yet, but um, we're doing it bit by bit. You know, we had the the breakfast with the chamber. Yep, that's right. Um, you know, and I'm doing it in smaller settings, you know, where we can quietly get it out there. But there's still changes being made, and we're still being uh, reviewed for our permitting with the town of Jupiter. So there's still ch- adjustments being made. Uh, and then there's cost, right? You know, at the very end, if, if something comes in a little bit too high, we might have to tweak it. So uh, working through that. But I would say, you know, by the time we do that fun event, whatever it is, I call it the wrecking ball event we'll probably be able to showcase what we're doing and maybe do some, some light tours. So we're gonna have to get you a hard hat and a shovel or something. Yeah, I'll be there for sure. You know, I won't miss that. So let's get back to you a little bit. I really want people to get to know Mike Bauer. Of course I know Mike Bauer pretty well, but I want everyone listening and watching this show to know more about you. So (laughs) what's something about Mike as a leader that people don't know? Other than, you know, I know you like Star Wars. I know you're a big video gamer. You're probably upset that I'm saying this on the show. But Um, tell us about you as a leader. You know, baseball is all about fun, right? The fans come to the ballpark for fun. And I personally, I don't think that we can make it fun unless we have fun. So I'm always trying to keep, you know, the environment within the stadium for those that work there as tolerable as possible because, you know, we work long hours, we work weekends, we work holidays, you know, we're in spring training. We, we work, we just finished working six weeks in a row and I, I didn't take a day off cause I can't, but you know, I was able to get my people like a couple of days off. Like you got to love it. Right. And so I, I, I'm constantly thinking about them. What can I do? You know, can we do a, a, a trade with golf across the street? Can we get concert tickets? Can we get movies? Can we, you know, can it, can we get them a gym membership so that, you know, there are, there are ways and perks for them to have fun and do things in the community. But also I want them to know that we care about them as human beings. And, you know, you know, having fun at the office is, is, is uber important, important. You know, Pam Sartori, you know, she's our uh, director of accounting and administration. I lean on her a lot for a lot of things. And, you know, she'll be the one to walk in the office and say, Mike, I know you had the best intentions here of getting us all together and going to have fun, but they all just work 12 days in a row. They don't want to see each other anymore. Can we go do something else? Like you got to have somebody to guide you too, but it's all about fun. And I think it's, it's almost like a family environment that I try to create at work, you know, and I, I tell my guys all the time, you know, you got your vacation days and I want you to use them, Right. But you also have those days where you just know you don't have it today. You know, you wake up, you're not feeling great, you're tired, you know, you worked, you know, two homestands in a row. You need to be able to raise your hand and say, listen, I, I need to bow out today. And I give them all that flexibility. Um, and I hope that, you know, they all feel like they can walk down to my office and talk to me about anything, right? You know, whether it's, you know, hey, should I start the 401k and why is that important to you know, Hey, my dog's not doing well. I'm going to have to take him in, you know, and they're having a rough day. And, you know, you kind of get into like, 
you know, I'm not the youngest guy in the office anymore. I kind of feel like dad sometimes, you know, because we have a lot of younger people in the office and, you know, they're in their early 20s. And I find myself guiding them about personal stuff quite a bit. Right. And um, I don't know if you want to see a little more into who Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium is as, as a staff. I'd like to think that we're family oriented in the office and we are known for good people that deliver on what they promise. I agree with that. You know, I I think we have a pretty good reputation in the community and um, you know, they all know one of us, right? They might know Pam, they might know Andrew, they might know Nick or me and, and we, we get it done. All right, Mike. So you talked a little bit about Pam Sartori and we talked about your team. I've gotten to know your team over the years and you do a really good job of hiring really, really good people. Um, Amanda, who's very active in the chamber as well. Those are all amazing people. Like, what do you look for in hiring people? Well, I think you said it best. Like we want to hire good people before anything else, right? All it takes is one negative person to come into a small organization and it rocks the boat. We've had them, you know, and, and we've all had them, right? We've all had them. And, and those people somehow either work themselves out or you're forced to work them out because the, was it the feng shui is important, right? Like you got, I don't know, probably speaking out of turn, but um, you don't want to rock the boat, but you know, we're lucky in a way that a lot of people want to work in sports and they want to be in baseball. So we get a lot of applicants. Um, But as we're, we're interviewing people, you've got to ask questions about who they are and get them relaxed. So they talk a little bit, right? And if they're local, bring them in. Um, unfortunately, the one thing that has become difficult for us is the cost of living in Palm Beach County. Oh yeah. You know, housing is, is expensive and, you know, just gas is expensive. I mean, look at gas in, in the Jupiter area compared to anywhere else in Florida. It's the highest in the state. Uh, one of the highest anyway. And, you know, so finding local people who are already established has really been what we're looking for, you know, and you don't have to have a sports background to be good in, in sports. You have to be um, relationship driven, right? Cause all we do is relationships, whether it's, you know, people in the community, organizations, government chambers, you know, it's, it's all relationship building and that's how we, we sell is through relationships. So that's important. Um, but you've got to have sharp people too, you know, and people who are good at what they do, right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Jordan Treadway is my, my groundskeeper. He's been with us longer than I've been there. He's probably been there 18 years. He's awesome. He's a stud. He, he, a great he's job. fantastic, right? He, um, he could be a big league groundskeeper at any park right now. And he does more at this park because he's got, you know, 12 fields in the back, right? The main stadium, two half fields. He's got 110 acres of complex that he's got to manage from trimming trees and mowing and landscaping and mulching. And, you know, and, and, and this guy is, uh, he has a, a degree in agronomy. I mean, he's sharp, he can manage people and, and, you know, he can manage people that are all walks of life too, you know, maintenance guys and grounds guys and, you know, from different backgrounds and, but he can also sit in and, and do things in our front office, but you got to have solid people. And, you know, I have a core of five people that, you know, that really do almost everything, you know, it's, it's Pam, it's, you know, Nick, who's our assistant GM and manages all of our sales. It's Andrew. 
Andrew, assistant GM, and does all of our event operations. Um, you know, Jordan, we talked about Tom Fewer, although he's with a different company, Delaware North Sports Service. He's he's the head of our concessions group, and he's the best one we've had in our tenure here. Right now, I, I tell my group all the time, this is the best and most talented group we've had at Roger Dean. Um, and now the challenge is keeping them all here, right? Because they're all young and they're they're aggressive and they want to go places and they want to be in the big leagues. So like, just like the minor league guys want to be in the big leagues, they want to go to the big leagues too, or they figure out sports is not for them at the same time. But most of them want to keep going up. And so we're the stepping stone to their next job. So I get them for you know two to three years on average, and then they move up. Yep. So professionally, Mike, what are you most proud of? Or personally, personally or professionally, what are you most proud of? Personally, it's, it's being a good dad for the boys. Mm. Professionally, you know, it's a lot of what I told you, like, you know, we deliver on what we said we're going to do good relationships in the community, not embarrassing the teams like, you know, one of the first things that Claude Delorme told me when he hired me is he says, listen, um, you're in a position down here where you're the figurehead for the teams in the community, right? You were representing us in a way. And, you know, we can't do anything that would tarnish the logo or the image of the teams, right? And so I, that never leaves my head. I'm always wondering how would this be perceived to the national audience and reflect on the teams. And so I got to keep that in mind. Um, and the other thing he told me was, don't hide anything. If you screw up, call me, tell me, we'll figure it out together and we'll correct it. And um, I've done this long enough now that I, I know when I've made a mistake and I'll call and, and say, here's the mistake, but here's how I'm going to fix it. Right? Like, mm -hmm. and um, you know, usually the mistakes aren't, they're not large. They're goofs, right? Like, you know, I, I didn't oversee something or whatever. Um, but you know, Lynn in my office, Lynn's my assistant that Pam and I share, she kids all the time. She goes, all you do, Mike is walk around and fist bump everybody. You don't do anything around here. Um, but yeah, I'm really proud of being a good dad, good, good, good husband, but being good people to the community. Great. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't in baseball? You know, from time to time, you, you think about that, right? You always think about um, if you were let go, if you didn't have a good sales year and, you know, it, it, it was just time for a change or whatever, what I might be doing. Um, I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, there's a couple of things in play here. I don't really want to move out of Palm Beach County anymore. When I was younger, it was, I'm going to be the first one in, the last one to leave, get out of the way. I'm going to be the general manager of a big league team and nobody's going to stop me. Well, now I got two kids that are in influential years in school and we're rooted here. And um, so I don't know if I would move to go to another sports organization necessarily. Maybe, mm -hmm. I don't know if the right opportunity came up. I'd probably find something here locally in Palm Beach County. This is home now. Um, but it would be something in the community, something where I could have outreach I'm, I, you know, and somewhere I'm active, like I'm not a, a sit behind the desk all day kind of guy at all. Like I've got to be constantly on the move, meeting somebody, 
lining up the next thing of what we're working on, you know, and, and, um, you know, that just remind me of something, you know, when you, we talk about managing your people, the other thing that I think is extremely important is they got to feel like they're needed and giving them meaningful work that they, in their mind, know they're helping the organization grow is important. If you're giving them schlep work, you're going to lose your people. Um, and that's just something, I don't know, it's just something you, you pick up along the way. But um, that's how I feel too. If I'm doing meaningful work and I'm making a difference and you have a good boss, then you, you're, you're going to feel comfortable where you are. Um, so that's what I try to do is just, you know, give people meaningful work. But I don't know where I'd end up. Uh, it'd be something outgoing somewhere here in Palm Beach County, and it would be a, a, something fun and rewarding. Yeah, Michael, you know what? I'm, I'm sure anything you would do, you'd be good at it. If you could run a stadium like that, have that many employees, and you're putting out fires left and right, you could do anything. So anything you want to do, you could do. So, All right, last question. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this to everyone, right? I, I like to ask this question. And that is, uh, you know, what advice would you give high school Mikey Bauer? Like, what kind of advice would you give him? Knowing what we know now as 40-something-year-olds, we won't throw our age out there yet. Not yet, at least. But what would you give him? What kind of advice would you give Mikey Bauer? So when, when, when I was, you know, I, I told you the story about how I got into sports, right? It just kind of fell in my lap. And I was working at the Stephen C. O'Connell Center getting flicked in the ear. But I noticed, yeah, I noticed all these people walking around in suits. And I, and I just knew, well, wait a minute, there's a career in this? Like sports is a job? I was like, I want to do that, right? That was my light bulb moment. But the light bulb moment for a lot of these kids today is coming a lot earlier because we didn't, we didn't really have sports, or sports marketing management programs in high school like they do today. They do, and they, they see it right out of the gate, right? But what I would tell them is put yourself in position to be successful when you want your first job. And that means not coming back home after your freshman year of college. It means going to do an internship. It means not coming back and, you know, goofing off. It means um, when you're in high school, get, get involved with the debate club, take a sales class, um, do the things that, you know, not as a kid, maybe don't seem as fun, but are going to help prepare you for the business world. And I, I tell all the college kids that come in, it's freshman year internship, sophomore year internship, junior year internship, senior year job. Because those internships are going to tell you and teach you what it's like to work in a business environment, what the culture is like, how you're supposed to dress, how you're supposed to act in a meeting, how you take notes, how you go and, you know, and, and do professional development and grow. Uh, you learn so much in those internships that by the time you're done, you're ready, right? And you have a resume then in front of you that says debate club, you know, leadership uh, grow program, um, you know, internship. And, and, and I tell them do internships in different areas too. You know, maybe do one in professional, maybe do one in college athletics, maybe do one at your, your local YMCA, you know, and if you want to go into facilities, especially you've got to go in multiple buildings so you can see how they run, you know, cause you've got to know everything from, and not only how do you sell hot dogs and how do you sell tickets, but it's what do you do 
if a tornado is coming and it's on you and you got to get people safe, you know, you got to know how to manage a fire panel. You got to know if your sprinkler system goes off in a concession stand and you got a fire, what to do, right? If you get a bomb threat, how do you handle it? There's a lot of different things you've got to know to manage a facility because you're in charge of the guests. You're in charge of the players. You're in charge of your staff and making sure they're safe, right? Like, so, you know, I, I always tell my wife, you know, when I get home, I can relax. She's like, well, why are we all up, uptight all day? It's, be, it's because you carry that weight of people in your facility and they're on, they're under your charge, right? Like, and that's real. Yeah. Well, that's great advice. You know, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with us today. I'm really proud of you, man. You're doing some great stuff oh, in the community. Thanks, and I'm really, really looking forward to an awesome year with you as chairman of, of the board of directors at the chamber. Keep up the great work. And again, I really appreciate you being here, man. Well, it's an honor just to do this. And, you know, this is a beautiful studio and, and, you know, I'm excited to hear all your other guests are about to come after me or before me. Um, but I'm really excited about, you know, being the chairman of the chamber. You know, when, when I first moved here to this community, um, I knew that this chamber was special from jump. Like you just have a, a really good feeling when you walk in all the events and all the people that you meet, but the things that we're doing here, um, are meaningful and I'm excited. And, you know, I, I just want to carry the baton from some of the other chairmen that we have had before us that have been exceptional. So I hope I fill their shoes. Uh, you will Mike. Thanks again. And, uh, I really, really appreciate you being here. Thanks, man. This was really fun. <laughs>